Hello and welcome to RGU Talk, the official podcast of Robert Gordon University. I am your host, Johnny Milne, and today we're talking about innovation in the world of architecture. And I'm joined by Learning Excellence Leader from the Scott Sutherland School of Architecture and Built Environment. It's Theo Dunas. Theo, welcome to the show. Uh, nice to be here. So I suppose my first question right off the bat would be, what does being a Learning Excellence Leader entail? What does it mean? Well, it's a, it's a funny sounding title, isn't it? Um, well, I'm, I'm essentially uh, teaching at the school and, and doing research uh, within architectural design. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, I am helping everybody else improve upon their um, learning, teaching and learning practices. So that would mean that uh, if we have a, a, if a member of staff has an experimental new method they want to try out, they would come to me for advice. Uh, if they are trying, if they have a, a particular problem with a cohort, for example, or if we find something that is not working, we try to uh, help them uh, improve upon their practices. Fantastic. Um, and what is your own background in architecture? Well, I'm a, I'm a registered and chartered architect in the UK um, and, in, and in Greece. I trained as an architect originally and uh, I am a practicing architect. So up until, I mean, up until 2011, before I left for, for China, from where I came to, to Scotland, uh, I had a, a practice in Greece. Okay. Um, I've done about 60, 62 buildings so far. So mm-hmm. Fantastic. And you said you came here to Scotland. Why Scotland? Why Aberdeen? And why RGU? Well, the most practical part was they gave me a job. So okay. <laughs> I, li- I lived in China for uh, six years and uh, I, I had created a, a department of architecture there uh, to the university I was working for. And I knew of RGU because we had a couple of contacts uh, and I knew of the school. Um, a role came up and, you know, I went for it mm. and here I am. Fantastic. Um, Now, as I said at the start, we're here to talk about architectural innovation. In your mind, what is architectural innovation? It's a funny um, kind of uh, idea in the sense that essentially the built environment and construction is a little bit conservative, right? We've been building with bricks for 2,000, 2,500 years. Uh, And when people think of innovation, a lot of times they think, you know, really high-tech stuff. Uh, A lot of times it's very basic, right? So, for example, making a building that doesn't leak heat, right? Or or making a building that performs a lot better in terms of function. And within that process, you need to understand where we are standing as current practice and how to improve. So, innovation, in a sense, is improving uh, uh, on, on how we do things. Uh, a lot of times people think that this will be a radical improvement, but in my mind, a lot of times it is mostly, you know, a step change on, on making things better. Mm. And why is now such a good time for innovation? What are the problems that we're currently facing that it could improve? One of the things that actually makes it much more easy to innovate now is that even though we knew about a lot of the solutions we, we needed to create in architecture for the past 100 years, we now have the technology to actually make them happen, right? So it's a really very interesting time uh, for the built environment and architecture in the sense that we really wanted to improve on, for example, industrializing the processes we use. Uh, But up until recently, it wasn't easy because every time you make a building, you are creating a new prototype, 
So it's not an industry that is easy to actually industrialize and, mm -hmm. and make copies of. And right now we are we have developed a technology where you can actually industrialize processes, uh, uh, have a high excellent quality output, and at the same time have a high customization. Mm -hmm. So you can still make prototypes, but of an industrial quality. Okay. And in your mind, what are some of the most significant advances or prototypes that we have witnessed in the past, say, couple of decades? I think one of the things that that really um, is really evident to, to everybody is the democratization of technologies that before were um, in the realm of science fiction or or they were only existed you know in research labs. Mm -hmm. For example, virtual reality or one of the other technologies we we use at the school is uh, laser scanning and unmanned aerial vehicles, right? So so drones uh, to be able to operate a drone. 10 or 20 years ago, you would need uh, specialized knowledge because you would have to actually build it. Mm. Uh, at this moment, you can go online and buy one for 1,000 pounds mm. and uh, you can operate it uh, kind of like in a video game. I'm a, a little bit simplifying, but <laughs> but that's the main purpose. So mm. uh, th those technologies, in a sense, have allowed us to uh, make it much more easy to innovate and much more easy to educate people within within that area. Now you've actually you, you've almost jumped ahead to my next question, which was around drones. Mm -hmm. um, I know much of your work at the moment focuses on them. Um, how can advances in drone technology benefit architects like yourself and those following in your footsteps? Uh, there are three areas that we're now looting within the school. Um, to, to use drones and, and, and improve upon the current practice. So the first one is would be with current surveys, right? So if you really want to have a state-of-the-art uh, model of an existing city or of an existing site, one of the easiest ways you can do it right now is with a drone. So you can fly a drone and then by collecting uh, laser data or photographs, you can build a very accurate model of uh, reality. Mm. And then that accurate model of reality you can use in whatever new design you're trying to build. Mm -hmm. That saves you time, that saves you a lot of pain in terms of accuracy, right? So the more accurate model you have, mm -hmm. uh, the more cost-effective uh, everything will be. The other thing that we are now investigating is actually looking at uh, how uh, drones could actually change how architecture is being envisioned, right? So you can actually see new ways to visualize architecture. And the third part would be how architecture is designed. Mm. Uh, for most of us, uh, entrances into a building comes from a ground floor. If you actually have the basic equivalent to a flying car, suddenly entrances and, and egress from building can, can happen uh, in many other places. Mm -hmm. um, so in that sense, we, we kind of expect that uh, a lot of the buildings and the way we design them would, would actually change to accommodate a new technology in the same sense that buildings change to accommodate cars in course, a sense yeah and is these are these changes being reflected in the skills that you and your colleagues are teaching our students that they're developing today in the scott sutherland school uh, I, I cannot say that everybody everybody is is benefiting uh, but I, I can say that we we do uh, try to incorporate all of these technologies uh within the curriculum and these are available to the students mm. so uh for example in the architectural technology curriculum the all of the cohorts right now worked with a model of the D River site uh, that was generated by a drone. Mm -hmm. So they 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 will have access to all of this technology. Uh, 
uh, and we make certain that uh, when needed, they will be exposed and they will develop the skills to create the visualizations and the, um, uh, the, the, the tools that are needed for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, within the MSc in Architectural Design Innovation, we're also uh, developing briefs where the, the third part of what I mentioned about changing architecture, how buildings are designed, uh, those briefs will help students effectively become leaders in, in their own field uh, and in this technology, right? Because they will be able to, for the first time, actually create buildings that would respond to this kind of change. Now, f- focusing on drones, but on a slightly different topic, if I may, for a second, um, obviously they've featured in the news a lot lately uh, with incidents of people using them maliciously, say, to disrupt airports. Um in your opinion, how do we combat the negative uses of this new kind of technology? And, and I guess, does the good outweigh the bad? Well, it's an interesting subject, actually. And, and a lot of people were joking with me when the incident with the airport happened, mm-hmm. saying, you know, maybe you're responsible or you were, <laughs> you were flying the drone. Um, uh, as, w- as with every new technology, there are certain steps that actually take in, right? So, first of all, uh, increasing regulation actually comes in to uh, create the boundaries of, of, of uh, how we would use this technology. Another thing that actually takes place also is increasing exposure of this technology to uh, the everyday public. Mm-hmm. And this makes it seem less threatening. And at the same time, they kind of demystify the complexity of, of what you had before. Obviously, it is a very dangerous technology if you, if you fly a drone near airports, and, and I don't recommend anybody trying to do that. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that kind of t- will help right now with, with drones is that uh, we have the concept of geofencing, right? So that basically means that within a map, we will actually be able to forbid drones of entering certain areas. Okay. And it happens by collaborating with the companies that produce the drones. Obviously, you will always have uh, the possibility that someone makes a drone on their own and, and enters that area. Um, you can counter that again technologically by using uh, radars, uh, special radars, and special detectors that would, uh, you know, uh, try to try to uh, take down uh, any kind of malicious actor within within an area. Mm-hmm. I would say though, and, and Aberdeen is an area that uh, has a lot of drone operators because of the oil and gas industry. That if people you know follow the rules and uh, play by the book, then it's a pretty safe uh, technology. Um, in in most of the cases, I mean, it really is fascinating. Like for someone like me who doesn't, you know, think about this kind of thing usually, uh, what other kind of innovative work is going on in your school to connecting with between both research and practice areas? Well, we have a uh, one of the areas that the school is is really excellent in is is actually in the area of uh, visualization. So, for example, we have a couple of projects that uh, Richard Lang and Marianne Leon are leading on uh, visualizing built heritage. Uh, and there they're helped with uh, by, by Jonathan Scott, where we are actually using laser scanners to create very detailed point clouds of, uh, of uh, buildings in Fraserburg, in Peterhead, in, in Orkney, and in, and in Aberdeen. Uh, we actually were the school that created the 3D model of um, of the city that the city council is actually using right now for for master planning. Um, another project that is, I, I guess, really interesting and and I'm really keen on uh, connecting with uh, between research and teaching is 
uh, one that was funded by RGU from the Pump Framing Fund uh, on connecting billing information modeling with blockchain, where we are seeking to redefine the, the way value is generated in, in building information modeling and in, and in design. Okay. And I suppose one final question uh, would be what is your message to people out there who are considering a career in architecture about the, all these opportunities that the future and technology affords them? Well, I would say that architecture is a is a fantastic profession and a fantastic discipline in the sense that it allows you to envision. I mean, you you get trained to envision the future and actually make it into into reality. Uh, certainly, if you join our school, we will be able to uh, help you uh, realize your dreams and at the same time be able to have an exciting career. Well, I hope that message resonates with a lot of people out there. Theo, we'll call it a day. Thank you so much for coming down and speaking to me today. Thank you so much and thank you for listening. And that's it for another edition of RGU Talk. On behalf of the university, I've been Johnny Milne and we'll talk to you later. <laughs>